Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and go to whatever podcast app you use and hit that subscribe button. If you like to watch your podcasts, we have a YouTube channel as well. Go check us out there and leave some likes and some comments and get in on the conversation. While you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about Raised on the Radio. A little side note here for you musicians and artists out there. If you like the beats you hear on the show and need some inspiration or would like to get a hold of one of these beats, make sure to hit up our good friend Ace Ha at Ace Ha Beats on YouTube and at Ace Ha Beats on SoundCloud. Raised on the Radio has a brand new promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you to use. In today's world, it is tough to navigate through the craziness that is the supplement industry. It's also easy to get caught up in the crazy labels and promotion instead of really knowing the ingredients in the products and the quality of the product. With True Nutrition, whatever you're looking for to satisfy your health and wellness needs, they have you covered. They even have a whole section of their site that is dedicated to vegan, paleo, keto, and dairy-free products. Just go to the newly revamped truenutrition.com, look at all of the great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in ROTR in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. You won't regret it and you'll never have to question the quality of your supplements again. Raised on the Radio's listenership continues to grow with every episode. We are always looking for great sponsorship and collaboration opportunities. If you or anyone you know has a business they are trying to grow and want to jump on board with us, email us at raisedontheradiostl at gmail.com. We would love to connect. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out their email or on the social medias. You can reach us at raisedontheradiostl at gmail.com or on the Raised on the Radio's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. We also have a website where you can find all of our content. Head on over to raisedontheradiostl.com. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get our thoughts on, don't hesitate to reach out. And now, let's get into this episode. Hey everybody, thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am one half of the show. I am Cole Vercato, Patrick Blair, and Zoomland as usual. Sir, just to get into it, MVP, NBA, give me your thoughts. Well, do I have to pick a white guy? It seems like it. Okay, well I'm not. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me put it to you this way. I know where you're going with this because it's been a big topic of conversation in the sports world. And for once, for once, someone called out one of these shows on ESPN for kind of, uh, you know, twisting the narrative in a racial direction when it probably doesn't have to be. We'll get into that in a minute. Who do I genuinely think is the MVP this year? I'm going to answer that with, I don't know. Here's what I'll always say as a, as a, as, as a, NBA fan, what I've always said is, first of all, the MVP means nothing. If you win MVP and your team doesn't win a championship, why should you care? Now, I guarantee some players in the past perhaps have, but I can tell you the three guys in the running this year, the top three, do not give a shit if they win MVP, if their team doesn't go to the finals and their team doesn't win the championship. Which is the way it should be, right? 100%, but you know that's not the way it is with some guys because there are incentives for being the most valuable player. Yeah. It's called feeding your family incentives. That's what it is. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. Putting your kids through college incentives. That's what that is. Yeah. But what I've always said about the NBA, and I think it rings true probably more so than any other sport, if you took that player off their team, how good – would their team be okay. okay okay so the top three guys are nikola jokic jokic i i never understand how to say that guy's name <laughs> i've heard it said multiple ways and i don't think he corrects people so we're gonna say nikola jokic that was the first way i ever heard it when he entered the league every 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 you single have... time that that argument comes up i always think of anchorman i'm going yes. yogging <laughs> correct and then you have Giannis antikompo 
And I know I said that wrong. I don't I don't even attempt that one. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good one. And then you have Joel Embiid. Now I'm gonna say this. Jokic, if you took him off of the Nuggets, I can tell you with one hundred percent confidence they would not be as good a team. Right now they're leading the Western Conference with the best record. He's putting up triple doubles every night. And a lot of people accuse him of padding stats, which I'm I'm like, how do you pad rebounds? Good point. When you're a big guy like that and you give the ball up and you and you give the ball up to the corner for a three-point shot, how are you padding that stat? You have the ball, you're getting triple teamed, someone is open. Why is it your fault that the defense is triple teaming you, leaving somebody open? So you're getting 10 assists a game, right? But also, even if That's you fine. are, if you're still winning games, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Exactly. And if if other teams don't want you to pad the stats, how about you stop them from doing it? If you can. Correct. 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 And he's pretty much an unstoppable force right. at this point. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. He's won two MVPs already. His team has not been to an NBA Finals. So some would say he doesn't show up in the playoffs, to which I would say, yeah, you're probably right. But the MVP is a regular season award, which yeah. we're going to hear in a minute also. Yeah. It's not for who performed in last year's playoffs. Right. Right. Yeah. Because if we're going to give it to that person, then it's Steph and he's not even playing. Right. Um, Giannis, I can say with 90% certainty, if you take him off the Bucks, they're not as good a team. Now, Joel Embiid is where I kind of go, mm, could they survive without him? Would they still be good without him? Could they still make a run without him? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Joel, Joel Embiid. He's the best player on that team. He changes the fucking game offensively and defensively. But of those three teams... The Sixers, without their superstar, have a better chance of going further than the other two teams. That's all I'm going to say. But this is how I've always viewed the, you know, the MVP. It's like, who do we want to give it to? Because I remember, dude, I'm a Dirk fan. Dirk is one of my favorite players of all time. Top three. And when he won the MVP, there was a lot of scrutiny that came with that because there were several guys that averaged more points, so on and so forth. But I was always like, yeah. But if you take Dirk off the Mavericks, the Mavericks don't even make the fucking playoffs. Right. Like, especially that season, they went from they had the best they had the best record they had the best record in the NBA the season he won the MVP. They were coming off that NBA Finals that they lost, and they ended up losing in the first round. But I'll be honest with you, you take him off that team, you have the same result. And potentially they don't even make the playoffs. That's just my my feeling on that. So, but the reason that we're talking about this is there's been, uh, you know, ESPN loves to have these shows that throw out the hot takes. And, and, you know, I think they do have quite a few shows that will, those takes are kind of determined on racial connotations, if you will. But recently, uh, two guys that aren't on not necessarily the hosts of shows, they're guests that come on the show first take. They got into it on the air and it became very a very racial sort of discussion. But JJ Reddick, who is a former former NBA player, Kendrick Perkins, who is a former former NBA player, you know, Perkins is he's been arguing against Jokic getting the MVP for probably two months now. Whereas Reddick's kind of going, well, you know, because he he accused him of padding the stats. Perkins did. Perkins accused him of padding the stats, and Reddick has come to his defense. Which, by the way, if you haven't listened to Reddick's podcast, uh, the the name of it has escaped me right now, but it's really good. Okay, it's mainly NBA talk, but dude, he is. But uh, uh, let me let me say this too before I make this point about Reddick. I like Kendrick Perkins. I like JJ Reddick. I like both of those guys on TV talking about basketball. Do you know why? Take a guess. I mean, just different. Are you going to make this a racial thing? No. Okay. Why? 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 Okay. Ask why do I question? like both of them? Talking why do you about like... the NBA on shows like First Take? 
I mean, probably because they have differing opinions completely on most things. But they also played. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll give you that. They both played who the did, goddamn game who did Perkins, at the highest level. Who did Perkins play for? I don't remember. Celtics. He won a championship with the Celtics. He played for... Okay. God, who did he play for? with The, uh, the Nets. Uh, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City was the big one. He was on the, that team. He was on the team with Durant, Harden, and Westbrook that got beat by the Mavericks. Yeah. So that's probably why... <laughs> And it wasn't the, it wasn't Dirk's MVP year, but I'm just saying there might be a little bit of he clearly has his favorites and his non favorites. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's neither here nor it doesn't matter. I think they're allowed to do that. They played the game. Yeah. Right. You know. But so I like both of them. But I like JJ Redick because he is really analytical. But in a practical sense, like he's, he doesn't pull out stats that don't make sense. He doesn't pull out stats to win an argument. He just kind of gives you like, well, here are the raw numbers. So like if you're going to say a guy isn't as good as he is, well, here are the raw numbers. Now, does that mean he's better than Giannis or Jokic or Embiid? Or does that mean LeBron's better than Jordan? No, but here are the numbers. Right. He's a stats guy. Now, normally I argue against stats guys because I think they're nerds and they're not looking at the the simple fact of the matter is, is what I say. Would that team be better off if that guy wasn't on the team, right? Yeah. But sometimes his stats argue for my point, right? Yeah. But they got into this huge thing which went viral. It crossed over to political internet, not just sports internet, you know, political internet. So I'm, I'm going to show you a video in a second from – uh, a guy's channel on YouTube. He's a conservative. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's had a, many, many videos about ESPN being woke and, you know, sort of racially biased and they race bait and all this stuff, which I don't really care about that. I think the main thing that I want to say before I show you the video is I don't blame JJ Reddick for this. And I don't blame Kendrick Perkins for this. I blame ESPN because I'll be honest with you. I think ESPN wants these types of arguments to stay relevant with their corporate sponsors and to stay relevant with their woke agenda. Now, when people go ESPN has a woke agenda, I don't go, yeah, you're right, and fuck them. I watch ESPN. I love ESPN. I grew up on that shit. I don't care if they have woke takes on things. That's not my point about that. But what I am trying to say to you is that when things like this happen, they don't go, oh, no. How are we going to recover? They don't need to. That's my point. Yeah. They don't need to recover from an argument like this. What are your thoughts before I show the video? Uh, I think you need to show the video. <laughs> okay. Fair, <laughs> before, 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 because I, I think watching the video will give my thoughts more meaning. So, so what I'm going to come in on JJ Reddick speaking to Kendrick Perkins' idea that the voters of the MVP trophy in the NBA are majority white. That's why right now Nikola Jokic is the front runner. Okay. And I'm going to skip around until I can find my spots, but obviously we'll, we'll make that work. Okay. But uh, give me a sec here. So we're going to, this is going to be JJ Redick talking. And if I need to stop me, if you need context, here we go. Yep. I want to just say something, Beck, give, Stephen. Give a, I, I mean, uh, Stephen. A, I, mean, I mean, no offense to you, and I mean no offense to First Take, because I think this show is extremely valuable. It is an honor to be on this desk every day. It really is. But what we've just witnessed is the problem with this show, where we create narratives that do not exist in reality. The implication, what you are implying, that the white voters that vote on NBA are racist. That are they, they favor white people. You I just not, said that. You ju not, yes, you did. I yes, did you did. Not, I did. Yes, not. you did. Okay, so the instant eye roll that Perkins gives, and like before Reddick even says what he's trying to move towards, Perkins is yep. already saying, I did not, I did not. Now, the video or the part that you're going to show after this explains that he has no, like, he, the eye roll means nothing. Because there's no possible way, there's nothing else that he could be saying 
than what Reddick is telling you right now. Yeah, and it's to, it's in response to 80% of the voters that vote on MVP are white, which, yeah. by the way, is a made-up thing. It's a made-up stat. He made it up. ESPN I, apologized about it the, the next day. About him like, saying way, that? Yeah. Because he totally made it up. It's not true. Hmm. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> that I is exactly not, what I you implied. Not, uh, Wait, pause it real quick. Again, I... So this is the guy's... This is from the guy's channel. But yeah. so... But again, I like J.J. Redick. I like Kendrick Perkins. And I'm not... I'm not cheering for a J.J. Reddick calling out Kendrick Perkins. I think Kendrick Perkins is a dude who, again, played the game and feels a certain way about certain things. And I'm not mad at him about that. What I am applauding J.J. Reddick for is calling out that show. That's what I like about this. I'm, I am happy about him calling out media-driven nonsense like this whether it be for a station that he works for regularly because he does or not so you think so you I think this whole you think this whole thing is you don't think it's perkins himself you think there is an agenda push behind him well there definitely is now whether he's a part of that or not or whether he knows that or not i don't know gotcha again i think kedrick perkins says things sometimes with without necessarily thinking about how it might sound later but again, you get a guy on the mic talking all day about the sport that he played. And like I told you, he probably has certain feelings about certain things. Right. He's going to slip up and make up a stat or say something that's half true, or he's going to paraphrase something, or he's going to take something out of context, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So again, I'm not mad at him for that because guess what? Every, every one of those guys do that. Even their expert, Stephen A. Smith, who makes the most money at ESPN out of anybody, even he does it. Even he's he's quoted wrong stats or incorrect stats, and he's quoted things out of context and said things out of context. So I'm not mad at Kendrick Perkins. I'm not mad at anybody, but I am happy that J.J. Reddick did make it a point to go, this is the problem with this show. Yeah. It's creating this narrative that, again – if it takes off and becomes clickbait, many, many people start believing it, and then it becomes a story when really it's a non-story. Right. So I don't know. You can skip ahead in this, and I'm pretty sure there's Kendrick making his original point, or they continue the argument. Uh, go to that real quick. We'll watch that. I apologize to Perk because I know that he doesn't like advanced stats, but often advanced stats inform us. They provide insight. They often reinforce what we see. So they kind of complement <laughs> the eye test. I know you're an eye test guy and you don't here like advanced stats, stats, but I might use a few here. Uh, I just want to react because I didn't hear this, uh, the idea that his teammates shoot good or bad shots. So Second Spectrum, wonderful company. They installed tracking cameras in every arena 10 years ago, and their technology has evolved. And one thing we've <laughs> learned from that is we can actually track I love which <laughs> players create good shots for their teammates. And Nikola Jokic is top five in shot quality created. So if you watch them play, Perk, and I know you do, sometimes you might not. Dude, that's not an unreasonable, unreasonable stat to bring up, though. And it's not, if you think about it, it would make sense, given the fucking averages that he has. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You would, you would, you would think like, oh, when this dude's on the court, there are more quality shots being taken from his teammates. If he's a big dude who averages damn near 30 points a game and 10 assists a game, obviously other people are getting quality shots. So that stat, while it is nerdy, isn't that ridiculous? Am I thinking about this the right way? I think so. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm understanding this the same way as everybody else. Again, yeah. I'm on no one's side here because I think it's hilarious <laughs> on both sides. You got a nerd against the dude who literally is like somebody's drunken uncle at Thanksgiving. Like, oh, oh you're trying to tell me the Detroit Lions are going to win 10 games? Tell me about it again. Like, yeah. that's who that guy is. Yeah. 
Or I, I could have inserted the Browns there and it would have made more sense, but go ahead. I'm actually pretty entertained by Stephen A. Smith's uh, facial expression. I'm just happy he's YouTube. not interrupting. Yeah, I'm surprised by that too. But I think, uh, I don't I don't know. He that, knows, he, but he knows his lane, dude. Yeah, he doesn't have a dog in the, the fight in this former one. former players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay up late on, on the you know mountain time zone, but if you watch them play, when he's deciding whether to shoot or score, he's often making a read because that's what good <laughs> basketball players do. They make reads. So if he's getting a double, he's going to kick. If he sees the help coming too early, he's going to swing it to the corner. It's a good pass. What's the most efficient corner three in basketball? It's a corner three. It's it, Look. Per- but also Perkins has to be sitting here thinking, dude, I played basketball. I, I, know, I, I know how basketball works. But he's not thinking about it that way, though. That's I, the thing. Perkins Perkins runs off pure emotion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now, does he does he know some stats? Sure. But, I mean, he's running off pure, I want to make a point. I'm running off pure emotion. That's a, He's that type of guy. He honestly is the guy at the barbecue or the guy at the bar that will come to you with an argument and he'll bring a few stats, but he brings that passion. You're just like, all right, bro, fine. Like you, you eventually just give up. You're like, all right, man, don't be so aggressive. Whereas, like I said, JJ Reddick comes from a much nerdier perspective, where he's like, I'm gonna back this up, but I'm gonna back it up with a stat that you probably haven't even thought of before. And again, I'm not on a side here. It makes for good entertainment. But when we started this, we talked about JJ Reddick calling out ESPN, which I think was super important because. Because now it's opened up the opportunity for two former NBA players to have a real conversation about the game that they either neither one of them play anymore. Right. Where these stats kind of probably do help when it comes to choosing the MVP. Yeah. Fair? Fair. Yep. You got a guy who's top five in the NBA when it comes to quality shots for the rest of his team. He's doing something right on the court. Right. Whether you want to believe that or not, regardless of the color of his skin, he's probably doing something right. Yep. Continue with the nerdery. Kirk and Steve Nash were uh, favored to win the MVP because they're white. Um, First of all, you stop short at 1990. That was your cutoff point for players to win MVP not in the top 10 in points per game which is a stupid stat to judge MVP on. This isn't middle school. 1990, Magic won it. 89, Magic won it. 87, Magic won it. 87, he was 10th. Mm -hmm. 89, he was 15th. 90, he was 18th. Okay. Okay? We we judge MVP year to year. You also said the criteria or the goalposts change year to year for certain players. No, it doesn't. It, we it vote do. on the MVP. Hold do. on. Hold on. Ooh. We vote on the MVP <laughs> based on, on that season. We vote on the MVP based on that season. It is a regular season award. Previous playoff runs have nothing to do with it. It's a regular season award for the most valuable player. And we can measure that, Perk. <laughs> so maybe voters have gotten s- smarter. I want to talk about Dirk and Nash real quick, and I'll let you jump in. Dirk Nowitzki led the league in win shares in both 06 and 07. Led the league in offensive win shares in both 06 and 07. So, yeah, he wasn't top five or whatever he was, top ten in scoring. Pause it real quick. His MVP season. So, like, win share? God, that's nerdy. God, that's nerdy. That's like <laughs> war. That's like war in baseball. Drives me fucking nuts. Wins above replacement. Like, shut up. Did he bat 300? Right? Yeah. Did he get on base? What are we talking about? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> but it's a relevant stat to his argument, obviously. <laughs> this is totally random, but look, just look at the eyes of all three of these guys right now. Look at the intensity. Oh, it's super serious. Look at the intensity. Look at the intensity in JJ Reddick's eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks were 67 and 15. They had the best record in the NBA. In 05, Steve Nash was the driver of the number one offense in the league, a team that jumped 20 wins and had the best record in the NBA. Okay. In 06, 06 to me is one of the weirdest MVP seasons ever. You can make an argument Nash probably shouldn't have won it, but he was still the driver of the number one offense in the league. 
The two best teams that year, the Detroit Pistons, 64 wins. The San Antonio Spurs, 63 wins. Guess what? They didn't have a top – their top scorers weren't in the top 20 in the NBA that year. So that was just a strange thing. You could have given it to Kobe. You could have given it to Shaq. You could have given it to Tim Duncan. They gave it to Steve Nash. It was, it's not because he was white. It was just – it was – I didn't, it was just a strange thing. It was just a strange thing. Well, why did you cut thing? it off at 1990, though? Because that, 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 that was convenient. That was convenient. I'm just saying, hold on, hold on, tell me. Hold on, tell me. Hold on, hold on, tell me. Tell me. It was just a strange thing that it just happened. It was just a strange thing in 2006 when Kobe averaged 31, when he was playing with Kwame Brown and Smush Parker. And what it was, was just the record that year? 42 and, and see, 40. They were 42 so, and 40. So, so, so let us speak. No, he's they, the no most play. valuable they made the player. Playoffs. They made they made the playoffs with that roster. You take Kobe off that team, they probably win eight games. Okay, so let's let's make that very very clear. Now, since you want to talk about when I was saying and preaching about moving the goalposts, the reason I asked that question was for the simple fact that what I'm saying is I don't know the criteria no more. I don't know if it's because it's the number one seed. I don't know if it's the number six seed. I don't know how you judging it. Is it we judging off of advanced stats or who's the most valuable player? You take them off this team. We don't know. We don't know. But we do know this. Since you do want to bring it up, we do know this. That when it comes to MVP voting, when it comes to MVP voting, 80% of the, MV, of the voters are, are white American. 20%. Uh-uh. So that's the stat. I know that stat. Okay. If you want to talk about advanced stat, I do know that one. I want to just say it's something. Back, give, Stephen give A, I, I, I mean, okay. he so went. That is he, eventually. He went in pretty deep on that, right? Like, I know that stat. I know that stat yeah. because I just made it up in my head. Yeah. I mean, he just made it up. Yeah. ESPN <laughs> had to apologize. Wow. No, that wasn't true. Yikes. But again, Pert. Perkins is uh he's an emotional guy. He runs off passion, and you know, I, you know that was that it's a, it was a fun argument. Now again, you know Perkins did bring up like if you take Kobe off that team, what happens to that team? But I could say the same thing about Steve Nash that year. You know, so it is what it is. But I do think that's a good judge of like, all right, if we're talking about the MVP, take him off the team. What happens? So. But I, you know, again, I like both those guys. I think I've made it very clear that I do not like Stephen A. Smith, but I am happy for J.J. Reddick calling out that show and, uh, you know, positioning arguments and positioning headlines in sort of a out-of-context, racially-driven way from time to time. Um, and, and it's about time somebody actually said something about it. Most times those guys are on that show and they just kind of go with it. Or they sort of tiptoe around it. Whereas J.J. Reddick, but, uh, you know, again, you have two guys who played in a league at a high level. Let them go. And if one of them doesn't like the, where the direction of the argument, they have every right. And I would not I would be saying the same thing if Kendrick Perkins did that. You know, very interesting because that did that did go viral and it is all over the internet and all over YouTube. And So what do you, what do you think... <clears throat> As you said, Stephen A. Smith was, he knows his lane. He knows this, you know, we're talking about two guys who are going at it who did play the game. Yeah. What do you think Stephen A. Smith's opinion is? If he was taking one, do you, a side, whose side do you think he would have taken? Yeah. And I mean, from what I've seen, I don't know that he ever did. And I'll be honest with you, had JJ Reddick not called out the show, he probably would have taken a side. But he's been he's been very he's been very in the middle for as long as this argument has gone on about uh, Jokic padding stats and stuff and who the MVP should be. Stephen A. Smith has kind of played the middle part, like he hasn't really stated yes or no to anybody. Um, I was kind of waiting to see if Jokic did win again, what he would say, especially if they lose early in the playoffs again. Because mm-hmm. you know he would, you know he'd be the first one to be like, call him out, be like, okay, this guy is really not the MVP. He's soft. He can't win in the playoffs. He's not clutch. All the fucking basic bullshit arguments that these these shows make. 
Um, so I don't know. I'll be interested to see how it. I, I I would love for them to have those two guys back on again, and talk about it before the playoffs start. You know. Yeah. I think it'd be entertaining. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't at this point with as viral as this has gone. Uh, I think Unless... J.J. Reddick might not be invited back. <laughs> and the argument might be played out now. Here's why I say that. Not because he said what he said, but because he said what he said, and he now has very politically driven channels and people backing up what he said, who have one agenda. And it's way over to the right. Yeah. All because of those people thought that ESPN was super woke before. But I'll be honest with you, J.J. Reddick didn't say anything that was, was, in my opinion, politically based by any means. He just simply said, look, this show is guilty of creating narratives that don't exist in the real world. And it's That's not like, and it's not like, yeah, he, versus the other. And he didn't call it besides this one. He didn't, you know, bring up any examples of any other narratives. He just, oh, I'm sure he could. He, I'm and saying he has oh, on I, his own show. Okay. Oh, I'm yeah. saying, I'm saying in this yeah, yeah. moment, he didn't. No, I know. Which and good for him was a smart choice. <laughs> he's a professional dude. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's entertaining to have a guy like that who brings that, like I said, that sort of based nerdiness to an argument and then you have a guy like perks that he's just running off pure you know pure emotion and just pure like sort of like i'm fueled by getting fired up like yeah um it's funny and i've always liked kendrick perkins on those shows because of that you know he's kind of speaking from from the heart of a guy who used to play and a guy who was a dog the dude was a dog yeah the dude was he was you know, he was a throwback player playing in the new era uh, towards the tail end of his career. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. Art. It, it was funny to see that. It was fun. I, I'll be interested to see what happens to JJ and if they invite him back. Uh, my guess is no. Not for a while. Anyway. But that's what happens in 2023 when you dig your toes a little bit into the uh, politically politically based arguments yeah. of the of the of the media, you know. He didn't mean to and he definitely that's not the way that I perceived it, but so many people have. Oh, he's arguing against the woke culture of ESPN. I love JJ Reddick. Like trust me guys, he doesn't like you. Like no, no, that's not what he was doing. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Like <laughs> I think this is one example of what we see a lot uh it, you know specifically on these shows lately where you have two guys who who are trying to make a point just to make a point, just to have that hot take, one of which doesn't really think about what they're saying until after it's said and there's a rebuttal, the other of which they came prepared with statistics and figures to kind of back up their argument and they weren't coming from that passionate sort of place. You see a lot on a lot of other shows, and I'm not even going to bring up mainstream shows like First Take, but if you if you ever go on YouTube and look up some of these radio shows that record for YouTube, and but there are shows all across the country that, you know, I, I saw a reaction to that video we watched where the, this radio show had Charles Barkley call in and react to it. He's like, you know, all things considered, Perkins' argument was dumb. He's like, we know 80% of the voters aren't white. We know that... We know that not only white guys win the MVP. He's like, since 1990, there were only three. And before that, there was just Larry Bird. So there have been four in the last like 40 years. So what are we even talking about? Right. You know? Yeah. Um, he said it much more eloquently and <laughs> passionately than I did. But if you can imagine Charles Barkley yeah. saying that. So. You know, I, I I get into this stuff, man. I you know, as a big sports guy, and especially someone who fucking used to be on, I can't even believe I ever did that. Still to this day, um, you know, someone who was on a radio show, and this is all we did was just spit hot takes about the the latest sports moments, um, which I hated. But 
there is a format that those guys stick by or those media channels stick by. I don't know that it'll ever change. Now, ESPN has a much different agenda than a lot of them. Um, and like I said, good for J.J. Redick for calling it out. Now, was he right? I'm not saying that. But from what I've seen of First Take and from what I've seen of shows like that, and again, I'm not talking about racially driven, racially driven shit. I'm just talking about creating a false narrative. And I hate that word narrative. It's used so often. Just so it, it's used, it's used incorrectly so often, but in this case it works. They have been guilty of creating false narratives that are just not true in the actual reality of the sport or the player or the team, all of the above that they were talking about. So again, I'm not picking sides. I'm on But my my question goes back to is that on Perkins or Stephen A. Smith? Is that on them or is that on ESPN as a whole? Are they, are they, you know, cause you said a certain format, like is ESPN pushing them to be, you know, a little controversial in certain areas or is Let that on give you my opinion? Let me give you my opinion. If JJ Reddick didn't immediately call out Kendrick Perkins for the whole 80% of the voters are white, the way that he did, meaning like you just made the implication that, the voters of the MVP race in the NBA are racist. ESPN never would have batted an eye. They never would have said anything. They never would have addressed it. Right. So think about that. Something to think about. Yeah, especially when you're saying you don't think that Reddick will be invited back, at least for a while. Because Just he, my guess. Yeah, because he's calling out ESPN on... Well, one show... Yeah. Which is, by the way, That's their true. biggest That's, show aside it, from Sports Center. Yeah. So, probably not the best thing to do <laughs> if you want to get work, bro. I'm just saying. I don't know. Could be wrong. Or, I mean, could push him into more work. Well, if he wants to go. Yeah, but here's the thing, dude. I don't think he wants to go. I don't think he wants to go on these other shows that have a racially or like yeah. a socio-political driven agenda. I don't think he wants that. I don't think yeah. JJ Reddick thinks like that. I think he rallies against that. He was literally and just calling out get, a situation in this instance. That was it. That calling was, out one yeah. argument. He was right. calling out one thing said. Now, obviously he's been thinking this about that show. That's yeah. fine. I think a lot of us have. It doesn't mean we're on one side of the political spectrum. It doesn't mean we're racist. It doesn't mean we're race baiting. It doesn't mean we want to be involved in this argument where one side is right and one side is wrong. No, that's not what it means. It's just like we, it's media. We watch it. We consume it every day. Right. Sometimes we have differing opinions than this station, than this show. Like JJ Reddick just did. Not a big deal. Yep. It happens. It's not the end of the world. Kendrick Perkins. Might beat his ass next time he sees him. Uh, it's neither here nor there. Just saying. Let's move on to some fun stuff, dude. Do we have a? Do we have some questions from our audience? I believe so. I believe so. We we got an audience. We got? we got an audience, man. Well, you know, use that term loosely. <clears throat> okay, whatever. All right. So this is from our good buddy Mario. Right. What do you both think about the flood of bands that are coming out saying that they are losing their asses going on tour? Oof. So <clears throat> first question, um, I, I, I've heard this for all. I mean, forever. I mean, I, Wait, I, I forever. Hold I mean, on. I mean, how long? Well, I how mean, long I is forever. Okay, I, I, I don't know years. I'm not calling you out. I'm I know you're saying, not. No, I'm just explain. saying like, I'm just saying like, okay, as long as that I, as long as I've had friends who were musicians who yeah. have done the touring thing. Yeah. So I, I say years, but it has been years. Uh, regardless, I have heard this since then because I mean, it's true, but I don't know. 
do you do you know who these flood of bands are? Like, is this a did one big band come out and say this, and then all of a sudden a bunch jump on the bandwagon, or do you know? Yeah, I mean, there have been several. I mean, the main thing that I've seen are bands complaining about venues taking a cut of their merch sales, which I have always been against. And I think it's total bullshit that that even happens. How venues think that they have any say about a band's merch and how much money they should be making from that merch is it, it's preposterous to me. Yeah. Um, so I, and I, you know, believe I, me, I, I, as someone who has played out of town and not made any money, um, uh, you know, I, there have been many, I mean, dude, there, I mean, even bigger bands like to honestly, like, and I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I, I know I remember like, which one do I want to name? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not an unknown thing. Like if you're not a mainstream artist, you're relying on tour and playing live to make money. You're not making money off record sales. Um, so you're relying on the merch money and the money you're making off the shows to kind of get you from city to city and then hopefully bring back something to either yourself or your family. Right. You know, but um, the whole merch thing, that's a whole nother thing, dude, that like I just I just uh, I had it happen. I've had it happen to me. And when it did it was so in the moment that I just, like you just you have to just because you're not told this ahead of time. Like at least I wasn't. We weren't. You know. Yeah. And you just kind of go, oh, okay, all right. Like I play with Evanescence. Um. At the pageant, and as you know, if you've been to the pageant, they have like a a, a shop, essentially that you go outside of the venue to to get the band's merch. Mm-hmm. So when we booked that show, it was already sold out. We're thinking, like, this is fucking killer. Like, dude, we're going to. And, um, you know, we made extra shirts of the ones we knew were best sellers of ours. We made extra this, extra that. Thinking, like, well, we hope to make a little bit of money off merch. That type of thing. Right? Because we weren't getting paid to play. But obviously, it's a huge opportunity. And it was the very first time. I can I can ever remember where I played a show and like young girls were screaming at me. <laughs> like like I'm in the Beatles. It was bizarre. I remember in the moment we had like a little musical break and I remember walking up to the bass player in my band going, "This is fucking nuts." And he just nudged me with his elbow and like shook his head at me, you know? Yeah. Because I first song in I get out in the crowd and I stage dive and I lose my fucking in-ear, my in-ear pack in the crowd. I get back up on stage. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to continue the rest of the show without that. We got done with the first song. Fucking, like I said, little girl, like girls screaming, crowd goes crazy. And I see someone in the middle of the crowd holding it up. And I was like, holy shit. Like we were supposed to go right into a song. And I had to stop him and be like, oh, 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 like this fucking dude's awesome. And I was like, bring that shit up here, right? That whole thing. And um, so my point of this is it was the first time that we really like we didn't steal the crowd from Evanescence, but we we stole a few moments of that show, yeah. if you will. So I'm after we get off, I'm like, I'm thinking, like, God, we should really, we should sell some merch tonight. We should really run through some merch. Do we sold out of fucking everything? No. Let me rewind to when we get there, we've set up, we take our merch over. They're like, yeah, we take, I don't even remember what percentage it was. I'm sure it was less than what venues are taking now. They're like, yeah, we get a whatever cut of, and I'm just like, you know, I remember being like, that's a bummer. I didn't, I didn't have a real strong reaction to it. Other than like, well, that's a bummer, but I'm just stoked. I was also like, yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. We're done setting up. I want to go have a shot and a beer, and I want to fucking get ready for the show, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, again, I'm the worst kind of person to be in that situation because all I want is the moment. Yeah. I don't want the business. I don't want the fucking money talk. I don't want any of the shit. I want the moment. 
You know, that's yep. all I wanted. I don't think bands think like that a lot. Yeah. Anymore. <clears throat> I don't I don't I don't know that there's that shared sort of like this is my childhood dream to play in front of 3000 people and have people screaming at you. Like, I don't know that that's what they live for anymore. I think they live for that moment, but there's so much of this other shit that's flooding in all the time. Whereas I always turned a blind eye to it. Perhaps that's why we never made any money and we weren't the best businessmen, but so yeah, the, the taking of the money of the merch is just—it's bizarre to me, dude. I I can't even I, I don't I don't even know where to begin with that. Were Were you? I let it happen to me just because. Were you signed with anyone at that time? No, no, not at all. So the reason why I asked nope. that is because I was listening to Finn McKendy's podcast and he had a guy on there called his name was a uh, Tank the Tech, I think. Yeah, and they were talking about this very conversation, and uh, he he was saying that. The bad thing is, is a lot of these bands that are coming out and complaining about this, it's in their contract. And if it's in their contract, there's literally nothing. With the venue. Yeah. That there's literally nothing that they can do about it. But, but he said, what's really crappy is, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of venues don't, they literally do nothing about your merch or for your merch or anything like you walk in the door and they say, here's a dark corner, go set up your stuff over there. You set up your merch, you sell your merch. I get 20% of it at the end of the night for no reason, because you took a corner of their, their venue. Yeah, I will, I I will say this. No, that's true. That's true. And I've experienced that as well, but like a place like the pageant and I, I don't, I'm not saying this because I want to be calling them out, but what they did do again is put us in the same place with Evanescence. Oh, who was the other band? I don't remember the other band on the tour. Oh, sh- oh God. They had a rap rock. They had a, a hip hop cover. I'll find it later. <laughs> so, but there were people coming. So we went to the, you know, the merch area when we were done. And there were kids coming up to us being like, oh, you guys are from St. Louis? Like we thought you were just a part of the tour. Now, part of the reason that probably helped that whole perception is because they put us in there like we were on the tour. They put us in there in the room with that of an essence, with their big merch set up. We had ours like they didn't treat us like a local band. Major air quotes on that. They didn't treat us like we didn't belong. They didn't shove us in a corner. It's a dedicated shop for you to go leave the venue and go buy merch. You know, now again, did they take a cut? Sure. But the cool thing about, there's nothing cool about it. But what I thought was cool about it in the moment, it's like, well, yeah, we're a part of this. We're not the local band, finally. All we've been striving for this entire time is just be on a show and not be called or considered the local band or the St. Louis band. We're, we, we belong here, that type of thing. Yeah. And I know that's like a fickle way of looking at it and it is what it is, but that's one of those examples where it truly was that it really was. Yeah. So in the moment, no, I didn't mind giving up money, but there have been times where I've played out of town for zero money and you rely on that merch money. And the few times that now we were playing small venues and like these venues weren't taking cuts of your merch, dude, they just weren't paying us. Yeah. They were giving us drink tickets. They were giving us meal tickets 50 bucks here, 150 bucks there. Uh, And then, you know, it was on us to sell the merch and make money to get to the next place. But like, had they started taking that money, I would have been like, okay, I don't know if we're going to play out of town anymore because this is, you know. Well, that's kind of what that guy was talking about too. He was saying, you know, a lot of times merch sales uh, kind of, told us if we're going to be actually getting a hotel room for that night or if we're sleeping in our car, right? you know, or are we going to eat dinner tonight or are we, you know, snacking on some saltine crackers or something like that? Like it's one of, it's one of those things. Now I know you have to be like out on the road for something, you know, to be in that kind of situation, but still it's just, it's crazy. I think it's a pretty bull crap, um, you know, scenario for a venue to be able to take, you know, you paid for the merch to be made. 
You know, you paid for the setup to set up all your stuff there. You're probably paying a merch person to run your merch booth. Right. You know, all those kinds of things. And then, and then for no reason, the venue is just going to take some of that money too, just because they let you set up it there in their place. Like that's, I mean, I know they think they have a reason, but yeah, the reason is not valid. It's not, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But to that guy's point about, you know, are we going to eat? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? That will make or break the real, that that will separate the people who really want it from the people who don't want it. And I've seen it many times. Should that matter? No. Like, do I think like Harry Styles ever had to starve it out in a van eating saltine crackers? No. Yeah. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a different thing. Yeah. We're talking about cutting your teeth on the road, getting better as a band, getting tighter as a band, building an audience as a band. You know, you don't have the music industry to look out for you like they do a Harry Styles. And I think it's important. And I hate to use this guy always as an example. And he never truly, truly lived the life that we're talking about. But like, if you look at a guy like Machine Gun Kelly, He's done real tours, not the pop star tours. He's done real rock and roll every city and night, sleeping on the bus. We get hotel rooms, but I'm living on the bus. I'm playing Warp Tour. I'm doing the thing. Like, he's done it. Look at where he ended up. Yeah. Now, again, did he do the van tours? Did he do the fucking I'm going to sleep on the floor of the van did he do the, I'm going to find a girl to find a couch to sleep on? No. He got signed to Bad Boy Records. I'm not saying the dude started out starving. I'm just saying he wasn't afraid to tour a lot. Or yeah. a lot of those those artists that cross over into the pop realm and the mainstream realm, like they're not used to that. The fucking Foo Fighters, their first tour was in a van. Well, that that, that was going to be my point. Like... like you know, we, we have friends, we know people who have had offers to go out on tour with bigger bands, like the, the bands that are doing the tour bus and all that kind yeah. of stuff, and that have turned it down because it's like, all that's going to do is bankrupt us. You know, the exposure, that's great to be out with a, a big name band doing the thing, but we're putting gas in that van that we're driving around. You know, we're... You know, so the merch is one of the things that comes in handy in the end because that's really where the money's coming from. You're not getting paid to play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can. You I, can. Okay. I guess you can. Yeah. You can if you have a good booking agent and the, it's played right. Now, again, that's uh, it's hard to come by. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. So do you think, Yeah, I mean, but, so I know we took it in the direction of the merchandise deal, but, you know, he's talking about, or Mario was talking, I guess, talking about bands just not making money on tour. Didn't this start out as a Chevelle thing? Didn't we talk about this like months and months ago where Chevelle came yeah. out and said that they have made no money on tour like since they started? Yeah, they talked about it big time. Um but again, we kind of use them as an example. It's like, do they compare to the van bands, right? Yeah. But I remember there was a band, and I have it pulled up here. The band called Oh Sleeper. They're like a metalcore band. You know, um, we'll call them a mid-level, and they even in this this breakdown here use the air quotes mid-level or use the quotes mid-level band. Um, they basically average it out what it's like a, a day in the life on tour where, where the money, <clears throat> excuse me, where the money goes to who takes the money, all that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so here's kind of how they break it down. Uh, and you know, we'll just, so on tours, bands have big bills. The biggest are managers, booking agent, merch rates, merch bills, food. And of course the gas bill, our last headliner tour was an East coast run with three other bands. The average guarantee per band was $300 per band and around $300 in merch. This, this was the average for all four bands for the entire tour. So we have a $600 gross income per night. Now let's break this down. 
Merchandise is bought, printed, and shipped on the band's dollar. We print most of our shirts on American Apparel. They obviously offer the best-fitting shirts, and kids are smart about looking good now these days. They won't sell unless you have slim-fitting, soft shirts. The demand for better quality shirts from bands is higher in the last few years. American Apparel shirts are very pricey to print, usually $7.50 a shirt. More for V-necks or three-quarter sleeves. We sell our shirts for $15 at our shows unless we're on tour with a headliner that demands we price match them. That's the other thing I told, I forgot to tell you about that Evanescent show. We had to price match them. So we went from selling shirts for 10 bucks to 25 bucks, 30 bucks. So now bucks. is the reason for that because they, they think that you're, they're not going to sell as much if you're selling shirts for cheaper? I'm sure that has something to do with it. Why Evanescence would think we would take their sales is beyond me. They hadn't even heard of us. They didn't see us, but that's just the deal that the pageant does. Yeah, with but the I, I, I get it, but I can kind I can kind of see that though because it's like, ooh, you communist. <laughs> no, I mean I, because if I go to a show and I've only got you know thirty bucks on me, and I'm like you were a part of that show, so. If your shirt's for fifteen bucks and Evanescence is twenty five, I can get a a shirt from your band for fifteen bucks and still go buy a couple beers. Yeah, but you didn't go there to see me. I understand that. I'm just I'm just trying to play the devil's advocate. I'm not buying it. it. Like, I'm not buying it. Okay. I said it that night. I go, we're okay. not stealing sales from them. If okay. anything, look, dude, I get where you're coming from. I'm gonna make a dumb argument. Never mind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm, not saying, but hold on. I'm not saying that my argument was great. I'm just trying to no, throw something it, at but you. I get, I get it, though. I get it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so then they go, the merch rates. So most nice venues have merch rates. We have seen them be as high as 32% gross. Usually they are 25%. So out of the initial 300 merch the band made, 25% goes to the venue. That's 75 bucks. $300 gross minus 150 merch cost minus 75 merch venue rate equals $75 net profit for the band. But the breakdown doesn't stop there. If the band has a manager, manager, he takes 15% of the net profit of merch. So merch total per night, 75 times 0.15 equals 1125. 75 minus 1115 equals 6375 total net profit from the merch for the band. That's scary. Yeah, for an entire, we're talking for about an entire guarantees. band. Yeah. Yep. So the guarantees, the breakdown in deductions from this money is 15% to the manager, 10% to booking agent, $300 gross guarantee, 45 goes to managers, cut 15%, 30, uh, $30 booking agents cut, 10% equals $225. The average gas bill is around 150 bucks. Some days... Way better, uh, some days way worse. We've, we have done 17 hour drives, leaving show and showing up to the next one right before we play many times. Those are a bit more expensive. Most West Coast tours, we do average the gas bill around 200 to 250, but I'll use 150 for this example. So 225 guarantee after the manager and agent deductions minus the $150 gas bill equals $75. We have six people on tour, our five guys and our merch guy. We give everyone 10 bucks a day to eat on. This isn't enough when you're 6'4 and 200 pounds like Micah and I, by the way. Six people times 10 bucks equals 60 bucks. 75 minus 60 equals 15. $15 total net profit and guarantees. 63.75 in net merch plus $15 net guarantee equals 78.75 for the band for the night out of a $600 gross. If you divide that six ways, it's $13.12 a day per band member. This does not include hotel costs, which are usually 50 to 60 bucks. Most bands don't get hotels or shower to save money to pay for phone bills. Then obviously he goes on to talk about this doesn't include repairing your van, changing the oil, so on and so forth. Tools on the road. Dude. And then they say at the end of that, like, merch rates have to go. We're getting destroyed because of the merch rates. And I obviously agree with that. That's crazy. That's just one example. That's a mid-level band. We could probably pull up a band bigger than them who probably has higher streaming numbers, has higher guarantees that are experiencing the same thing. 
So that's a bummer. What was that? When was that from? I didn't even pay attention to that. Hold on. So this was from God damn, that was from 2010. Jesus. Yeah, I was just I was thinking about Probably that. only got worse. Well, yeah, especially gas prices. Gas was pretty goddamn high in 2010. Wasn't it? I don't know. Wasn't it four bucks in 2010? I don't know. Did you just ask me did if you I drive kn- in, did you drive in 2010? I did. Were you six in 2010? I did, but I don't remember what the gas prices were 13 years ago. I only remember because I was driving a gas guzzling SUV. Hmm. Anyway, thoughts? <laughs> I obviously agree with everything that you just said. So let's say you're a millionaire and you don't need to make money from this band. You know, your nephew's in the band, for instance. You're, you sa- you're, sa- you're, saying, you're, you're saying I'm the manager. You're the manager. Okay. okay. And you're working for free right now. Okay. You're not taking a cut. But okay. you also, you you notice that right now for them, it's going to be a struggle and they're not going to make much money. What would be the change you would want to make? Would it be the merch? Would it be getting them a higher guarantee? Would it be, what would it be? Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you to be honest with you. I feel, like, I feel, I feel like merch would be the easier thing to tackle in the beginning, right? Versus a higher guarantee for a band that's not, you know, well known. Think about it this way: with the merch guarantee, it's gonna, it's going to vary, and it's going to, it's going to depend on the venue. So you have to worry about it from venue to venue. Yeah. Whereas. If you're working with a band and you want to get them a guarantee, you just book the places that will give you that guarantee. I gotcha. And you could totally pick and choose from the venues who won't take your merch cut too. Now, I don't know if all venues do. I haven't played outside of this goddamn city since <laughs> 2018. So I have no idea. And let me let me ask you this. But, have, you, have you heard of any bands where, I mean, I don't know if it's a contractual thing or not, but where like... Alcohol sales, bar sales comes into play anywhere? Meaning they get a cut of the bar? Yeah. I've I've played shows where we got a cut of the bar. Do you do you like that argument? That a it. that a band can walk in and say if it wasn't for my band, you wouldn't have anyone in here buying alcohol. I love it, but the only time that that happened it was here. I never never had that out of town. I gotcha. Actually, no, I did. I'm going to take that back. I No, I have. Uh, Jeff City, which still is in the same state, but I mean, it's out of town. I I played a place that gave us a cut of the bar. I just wonder if like there, if you couldn't make like a line down the middle somewhere where it's a, it's bar sales or merch sales or whichever one, right? you know, makes more throughout the night or something like that. Instead of it just being like a standard 20 or 30% off of merch or, you know, 15, 20% at the bar, like I wonder, like whichever one made more that that night, that's the one that you get. Look, dude, I think the most, so I asked you the question, let me put myself in the manager's shoes. The most practical way and the most logical way about going about this is you don't get any of our fucking band's merch. You're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. It's up to them to sell it. Put them out in the fucking parking lot then, you know? Yeah. Because believe me, if I had to sell merch, I would get people out to the parking lot eventually to buy it, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a huge problem. But I think that breakdown I just gave you, man, I mean, like, dude, you got to think about it in, in that sense. Like, that's why a lot of these bands are doing self-funded, self-booked, self whatever tours man like why have why pay the middleman if you can book your own tour now are you going to get the same venues and the same money and the same this and that maybe i know plenty of bands from this city who booked their own fucking tours and eventually got signed but before they got signed they booked their own fucking tours and they were doing just fine did it suck yeah they slept in a van they didn't shave they didn't brush their teeth they didn't shower they didn't fucking this and that but like they did what they had to do to separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Now, again, it's no excuse for people taking your money, but I think it's a, 
like I said, the, t- touring and playing out of town and, and doing that and living that whole life will really test the waters of everyone in your band about do they really want this? And you'll find out that, man, not a lot of people do. Because it sucks. It's not great. Right. It's not glamorous. It's not kind of takes a dirt bag from yeah. my line. And, you know, the bad thing is too, like he gave you a breakdown of like what shirts cost to make and all that stuff, but he didn't give us a total number of like how much they had to fork out to get all that merch oh. made. Yeah. I'm sure tons. Yeah. A, ba- a band like that. Yeah. Yeah. A, a band like that, that's on the road. They're going to have a, a heavy inventory. Yeah. Heavy inventory. Uh, and you have to though you don't want to be the band that sells out of everything on tour you don't want to be the band on tour that doesn't have what you're advertising because these days bands like fans know what you're going to be selling on tour whereas like 15 years ago it was a little bit harder you show up you get what you get like you advertise now Here's our tour package of merch. This is what we're going to have. That type of thing. And if you run out, you have it ready to go. You run out, you have it ready to go. What do you, you what know? do you mean you advertise? Are you talking like on social media and stuff? Your social media, your website. Yeah. I guess I never really thought about that. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's interesting to think about. And I think like I'm on the side of the bands where it's, how do we improve this? And I don't I don't have a solution other than by all means don't fucking take merch money. Like that's ridiculous. Absolutely. But I'm a hypocrite. I let it happen to me. So because <laughs> all you were worried about was a shot and a beer. Well, like I said, the moment. <laughs> it's about the moment. It's a little bit different. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. What, what you else you got? You want to get out of here? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Go live your life. Yeah. I was holding on too tight and I was trying.